you've taken your first step into a larger world. The Force will be with you. Always. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker. Now, here are your hosts, Calvin, Andy, and Wyatt. Hello there. Welcome to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, a chronological journey from the Phantom Menace to the rise of Skywalker, one story at a time, ASMR edition. <laughs> I'm Calvin. I've seen a lot of Star Wars. I'm Wyatt. I've seen a lot of Star Wars, and I hate ASMR. Hi. I'm Andy. Okay, no, I won't do that. Um, I don't like that at all. Uh, I'm Andy. I've seen I've seen Star Wars. I've seen a little bit of Star Wars. I haven't seen the tri- the original trilogy though, but I've seen some other stuff. So, so here's the here's the deal. Well, first of all, I do want people to know that my glasses broke when I was watching this episode. I was like in such shock that I broke my glasses. How? Um, wow. I don't know. I like moved them onto my forehead and the fucking lens popped out. <laughs> like it just popped right out. And I picked it up and I got the little screw, so I'm going to try and fix it or a ticket to get fixed. But I just thought that was fun. Uh, a fun little tidbit. A casualty of uh, the, <laughs> the fucking episode of Kenobi. I, I, <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah. So for, for the, the problem is, uh, listeners, we are recording this shortly after watching this episode. So I had very little time to think of a drink. I'm thinking we do Tala. Yeah. That, that is yeah. who I think deserves a Starbucks drink. Because unfortunately, you know, we were talking about how like, oh, she'd be great in Andor. She'd be great. No. 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 Tala is quite dead. She was a little, I, um, she was a little too early in the timeline. That yeah. ripped me up though. I am actually I am so sad because I don't know, and Dear Varma's talented and well, I would like to see more. It's been three I mean, it's been three episodes for me of thinking, oh, she there's no way she's making it out of this one. And then finally. Yeah, that's true. I, I did not actually think she'd I thought, well, we got Haja today, but I thought she would be like Haja and only show up in one episode so far. And I thought that meant that she would die. But let's do her drink. So wait, what was that thing where she was like one for every person? Do you know what line I'm talking about? Yes, it was for every person she'd saved after the. uh Okay, okay. Oh, she put a mark in her holster. Yeah. Her holster. Okay, I was confused about what that was. I don't know. I was like, I need to know. Maybe I'll incorporate that into the drink. No. I think Tala's going to get a latte with caramel. Yeah. I can't really tell you. I was going to do Something. like a, with six pumps of caramel, one for each of the children who died. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that, yeah. That so that's kind of crazy. Oh that's God. scary. So yeah, I think she's probably just getting like a caramel latte. She seems like a classic girly, but she's also like gonna. She has a little fun. I will say so. the The very beginning of this episode started out with a content warning. Um, yes, similar to the yes. ones they tossed on Stranger Things, because both of them had some child murder in at an inopportune time. But I will say this is the this that was one of the weakest content warnings I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I was no. getting judged by it. Like this fictional series has some things that may upset you. I was like, okay, yeah, what? no. Well, I also then then no, I thought that the Netflix one was bad for Stranger Things because it was 
also incredibly vague, vague, like this has scenes that may upset some viewers. But like this one was worse. Anyway, go on, Andy. Sorry. Well, I feel like so something that is kind of common practice in like theater, like live theater, is that a lot of the times programs or like they'll announce like specific content warnings like they'll say like hey there's gonna be a gun sound you know like a gun's gonna go off in the show or they'll say like you know there's a rape scene and it's so it's like uncomfortable to have to like say that but it's important to be specific because i can't really judge whether or not i'll be comfortable watching this unless i understand like what the fuck you're about to show me and i and i think that at least in the Stranger Things one, I think I I was pretty clear that that like child murder was going to be the problem. Whereas here, I was like really un. I I guess I should have known because of Order sixty six, but I was like not totally sure what the content warning was for, and I was definitely like I don't know. I think they could have been a little bit more sensitive. In- yeah, well, and especially because if they're worried about spoilers, which is dumb if you're doing a content warning anyway. We've already seen the Order 66 scene. It was at the very it was the first scene of the series. So if you if you said like distressing things happening to children, A, we'd sort of know what it was. And B, it would be more fair to people that are that would need the content warning. Yeah, it would it definitely it definitely would be fair. I also think that it would build suspension a little bit, actually. I feel like for people who would be okay watching it i I don't think it the content warning would destroy the experience of no. watching the episode I, I i think in in any way it would it would almost like make it better knowing like anticipating what's to come yeah you know i'm very curious most things uh, to do with star wars are the responsibility of lucasfilm the company which is like pixar and that it operates fairly independently under the disney umbrella Um, this I'm very curious who was behind whether this was a like Disney marketing department, the Disney plus folks or the Lucasfilm folks, because I think whoever it it was could have done a lot better. I especially my thing, too, is that like with Stranger Things, the. Yes, like kids are dying for sure, and it's scary, but it's not really like anything remotely similar to like a school shooter situation this is like verbatim a school shooter you know like this is literally like anakin strolls up into jedi school and just murders a bunch bunch of kids it it very much like gave those vibes and i just feel like the one that really needed the attention the one that really needed the thought to go into the content warning was this Yes. And uh, it wasn't there. I will say, though, that when we get into discussing the content, I thought it was integrated really well into the story in such a way that it didn't feel gratuitous, the actual scene. But we can talk about that in a second, but I'm like, I, that's interesting. I want to I want to I definitely want to um, we'll unpack that scene. I yes. think that's probably oh, definitely. Be the biggest it's it's thing to we, talk about. And we episode. got it. Chekhov's gun went off. We knew that yeah. we were going back to that Order 66 scene. But the the way the episode starts, I think I texted Calvin earlier because I knew he I once I confirmed that he had watched it because this, I think, is very much how the both of us thought the last episode was going to start when Obi-Wan was in the back to tank. 
I was totally anticipating a flashback. Um, yeah, I. Yeah. This will connect to other Star Wars media. Yeah, but like it, it also, but it was a it, he had just encountered Vader again. I, I I thought it. That's what I thought was a was a good place for it. I think the 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 way the flashbacks were integrated in this episode worked fantastic, but. I wasn't ready for how much it would get me to see Hayden as Anakin again. Oh, yeah, that well, that was such an interesting like moment, because when I first saw him, I was really taken aback by uh, Hayden Christensen's age. And, you know, that is just like unfair of me. But it was like, damn, LOL. You know, they're people. They age. But I was like, man, I can't believe they're going to try and make me believe that this is Padawan Anakin. But then, like, as we see we see this scene, this moment, this scene pops up throughout the episode. And by the end of it, I was like, I'm bought in. I'm bought in. This is this is Padawan Anakin, you he know? Was, I thought he was impressively recreating the way he acted in his face in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Like, I, I Like, Attack of the Clones is probably still my least favorite Star Wars movie. It's my least favorite movie of Ewan's Obi-Wan and Hayden's Anakin. I think they're both leaps and bounds better in Revenge of the Sith. And yet I was so like, I was so into it. I was so happy that it was Padawan Anakin, that it was, that it was this version of their relationship that we were seeing. And even their, their dumb hair and outfits like it, it was, it was nostalgia for stuff. I didn't really know I had nostalgia for. And I think it was really well integrated into the like, content of the episode with with regards to the game that obi-wan and vader were playing throughout like with their strategy oh absolutely absolutely and well i think that this was such an interesting this was such a good way of setting up the fact that the only person who really can match Anakin is Obi-Wan. The only person who can really stand toe-to-toe with him, at least right now, is Obi-Wan, because no one knows his mind like Obi-Wan does. Yeah, we talked about that last time we recorded, about like the 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 fact that Obi-Wan was missing his battle partner in the infiltration of the fortress, and we talked about how they played off each other and knew their strategies so well. And then this, this episode just doubles down on that, and not just their strategies, yeah. but their... They're, the way their flaws as people let the other like Vader knows exactly what Obi-Wan's going to do. And then Obi-Wan uses that, uses that assumption to 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 both do what Vader knows he'll do and then also subvert it so he can win. It's su- it was such a good chess game between them. Yeah. Chess, chess yeah. match. Do you say chess game? Chess yeah. match? It sounds wrong. Say checkmate. You say checkmate. Uh, and Obi-Wan Check. did. And checkmate. By the end of it, Obi-Wan got him. Yeah, he got him. Um, Yeah. Yeah, But so Um, so after the first part of this flashback scene, uh, we cut to it's this really jarring cut from Padawan Anakin to Vader, just like in the dimly lit bridge of the Devastator. And Reva comes up. The captain's like, oh, third sister's here. And long story short, Reva gets promoted. Officially. Officially. And she gets the little pin and, you know, it's a whole bunch of just like pomp 
and shit like that. And then they are headed toward Jabim. It's still not fucking raining on Jabim. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm so sorry. So sorry. Wyatt. I thought we were going to get like a good Jabim moment. We well, it looks not. absolutely like it should. It's just not bloody raining. It, I mean, is it a planet that is supposed to rain all yes. the time? That's yeah. all that happened it, the, on the old Republic comic. It, ha- it had storms that blocked ships from entering the atmosphere, except for brief moments when the storm broke. It was all the source of all the tension because the Jedi and clones on the surface were trapped mm. fighting a war they could not escape from. Um, OK, but like, obviously, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's it's only bugging me, one person who really liked this comic 15 years ago. And it's honestly cool to see another planet, uh, a planet from from Legends jump to canon and be redefined. I'm fine yeah. with it. I'm not fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you don't sound like, you know, a toxic Star Wars fan. I'm laughing because it genuinely doesn't matter. It, it it started. I've I've gone from like. I'm not mad. I'm actually laughing, but genuinely because it's such a minor little thing. And it's already the series is so chock full of cool connections to other Star Wars stuff, canon and legends uh, that it's clear there was care put into it on a lore th- lore front, which isn't always the case with some Star Wars stuff, um, especially in the pre Disney era when it was just anything goes. But. It's cool, I I like I liked the further insight into the path we got in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we meet back up with Haja and that's really fun. That, that was a fun surprise. I didn't expect to see him again. Somebody um, on Twitter said that the, the kid and his mom that he got out of Corellia were there. Oh, I'm sure they were not not uh, not Corellia. Um, they got out of Dayu were Dayu, in yeah. the crowd scene, which has got to be funny. They were like, hey, aren't you that Jedi? <laughs> Are you that Jedi? What are you doing here? I feel like my only thing is I wish they had Star Wars-ified Kumail a little bit more. I it, To me, I see him and I'm like, oh, that's my that's my guy. And he's he's just not Star Wars-ified enough for me. <laughs> he looks like he's cosplaying from Star well, Wars. Well, he... Th- yeah. it, I think... Which I guess he kind of is. He yeah, like exactly. is kind he's, of cosplaying you know, a Jedi. Playing a Jedi... But like, I see your point. But he's also yes. like, he looks exactly like he did in Eternals, like down to the hair and sideburns, yeah. which is the last thing I saw him in, which is where I un- I sort of get what Andy's saying. But I think, I mean, he's way more low key here than he is in Eternals, which was nice, where he's still playing a Kumail character, but in a way that I found fits into the universe. I think it's funny that now he says he's wanted by the Empire as if he wasn't impersonating a whole ass Jedi before. It's funny then that, that he he's he was so self-important when he was introduced. And it seems like his impersonating a Jedi and actually being connected with people helping the Jedi went completely unnoticed by the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he's either an absolute legend and a genius or he was so minor that they didn't even notice. They did not fucking care. Yeah. The Inquisitors, yeah. who are bored and chasing down anything at this point, didn't didn't think to notice him until he personally like challenged Reva. Yeah, and he's like announcing that he's a Jedi too. Like yeah. it's not, he's not like low key about it at all. And then mm. and then 
Did we see Obi Wan pleads again? with oh, Obi Wan pleads with Roken to get Leia to Alderaan. Right. And then right. Roken's like, everyone here's been waiting for months. We're going to leave soon, though. And so yeah. everyone's like, I will help you. You know, he's finally returned yes. to being a helpful person who is acting for the good of others. That was it. That was the first time really in the series we've seen him act to help somebody who wasn't a Skywalker twin. Yeah. And I, it was such a good moment to see Obi-Wan slip back after he's we've been watching him sort of put back on the robe, so to speak, and literally of the Jedi and perform. He's been wearing the robe this entire time. I know. He hasn't been that discreet about it. I know, but like he's, he's, he has begun to reclaim the ways of the Jedi. I know. Um, in way, in, in ways that I think are going to end it with him being able to commune with Qui-Gon as he was trying to at the beginning of the series. And so I was, I was so happy when he spent this episode not only trying to guarantee Leia's safety, but every single person in that hangar. Yeah. He, he let Leia risk her own life to try to help them as well. Well, that was really fun where he was like, I trust her. You trust me. Get her a ladder. I was like, OK, period. For sure. Yeah. We love a girl boss. We love a girl boss and her uh, her uncle a classic, who supports her. A classic Star Wars thing, too. Going in the vents. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Ahsoka's done it like a million times, I feel like. Ahsoka's uh, definitely done it once. I will say Star Star Wars Rebels uses the vent trick a lot we'll see and they the way they like have it as a running thing is one of my favorites so that every time it pops up in something new i'm like up in the damn vents again but in like a fun way not a not a like oh i'm tired of this shit but oh this is it it does seem that like it's a viable strategy for everyone in star wars me and my partner were watching actually the the maze runner movies which are not great but you have to uh, say why the first one was actually quite fun the second one was ass but in the God. second one, uh, there's a bit where these like fully grown teenagers escape through an air vent and like the air vent is people sized. It's like a six foot tall grate and it makes no sense. <laughs> and at least in Star Wars, they have to send the small they have to send the 10 year old into the vents because they're they're actually air ducts. Just like yeah. in Stranger Things season three. Live, love, Erica. Whoa. Anyway. Yes. Um, which is <laughs> live, <definitely>. love, Erica. <laughs> I was trying to I haven't seen that in so anyway. long. We're we're like a, a stealth Stranger Things podcast this time. We're we're bringing it up a lot. Yeah. I know it's really important in pop culture at the moment. Yeah. I anyway, this anyway, yeah. So Vader um from hyperspace orders the lockdown of the base. So Reva activates, you know, her sleeper agent Lola and Lola wanders around and hacks into the electrical system, unplugs a breaker and seals the hangar roof. And then Kenobi looks at some writing on the wall. And one of the things translates to light will fade, but is never forgotten. And so that's fun. Then we had he has a little moment with Tala, which is like where I was like, all right, yeah, she's going down after this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she had. You know, uh, when they start telling you your their sad backstory slash motive. Yeah, so I knew as soon as she was, you know, saying her tragic backstory slash motivation for doing what she's doing, that our girl Tala was not long for this world. Yeah, it's the first day, or not the, it's the last day before retirement talk, basically. Yep. Um, although I did fascinating implications of Bale's phone call to Obi Wan. 
Yeah. It's just yeah. that yes. I never in my life considered that Owen knew that Luke had a sister. Yeah. We skipped a couple of things. Yeah, we did. Okay. Um, but- Number one, Roken and Kenobi had a conversation where we kind of flash back again to the Anakin-Obi-Wan duel on Coruscant, which I wanted to note reminded me heavily of um, their duel on Mustafar. Yes, I completely agree. And it's it's interesting because we've seen Obi-Wan and the way he uses his lightsaber in this stuff is very much not the flashy duelist Jedi way of the prequels. Mm -hmm. But then we see Obi-Wan and Anakin totally doing that. They're using all the classic like spinny moves and and everything. So it's not just it's not just a different style. It's a it's a conscious storytelling choice, which is really cool, I think. And I totally agree with you that the way the. The shots and the way they were sort of advancing and and doing the moves to each other was very similar to some of the stuff where they go through like the hallway in Mustafar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that bit where like Anakin is like pushing Obi-Wan back and they're just like, boom, 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 boom. Yep. Yeah. Completely. Well, so that that is something I, I wanted to talk about sort of with with the flashback sort of underscoring it is that. A lot of people I know on Twitter and just who were anticipating the show would have loved to have seen like a Clone War era flashback. Yeah, and that's what I expected we were going to get. And I think that part of the reason we didn't is that this is less, even though we know, we, the podcast, know that Clone Wars and and the prequels tell one big story and they do really like work off each other and help and and the Clone Wars makes the prequels better. But I think this show is way more connected with the prequels, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, those movies, than it is to Clone Wars. And even if just by virtue of having the same actors back, but to me, this feels like something you could watch as a follow-up to those movies, having never seen Clone Wars. And so I think that is a cool part of them making the flashback when it was. Well, yeah, I mean, I think introducing a Clone Wars flashback would be introducing a flashback to something we have never seen live action. And that would have been weird. I definitely feel like doing the flashback to something that feels familiar because we have seen this live action was a smart choice. Yeah. Yeah, I personally think that I am totally willing to overlook Hayden Christensen having aged since he last played Anakin Skywalker. And I thought like you, I noticed it in the first scene was totally fine with it as soon as he was in action. But I I will say, I think he would have looked a little bit more convincing with the long hair, but Mm -hmm. I like, I, for the storytelling of this episode, the the cat and mouse between Obi-Wan and Vader, the intimate knowledge they have of, of each other inside and out. I think it was correct to go back to their master and apprentice dynamic yeah. rather than their brother's dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that. Uh, Calvin, there's a specific line in the original Star Wars that I'm thinking is going to be it is definitely informing this. Text it to me. Yes, I will. But I think but clearly Deborah Chow and the writing team They've seen the prequels and they've seen the originals. And this is such a good balance between them. Storytelling wise, I'm really impressed with how they've been able to sell me on the way Obi-Wan and Vader have been interacting. Uh, So Reva and the rest of the stormtroopers come down 
on Jabim and they assemble I, heavy guns. I love they the drama the of Reva's yeah. ship entering behind them and like to the music. The Inquisitors are so like so dramatic. They're campy. Everyone in the Empire, every dark side user is campy. The dark yeah. side is camp. It is. It's it's silly. And it's funny because yeah. it's like We're, the best one is is at the end <laughs> of the episode. But uh, we'll talk yeah. about that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so Reva gets her troops. Uh, a thing I noticed, too, is that they loaded the heavy cannon with like. They had to load rounds into it and then fire, which is like those separatist uh, cannons from the Ryloth episodes. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Cool design. I also a fun thing that I thought I noticed was that the stormtroopers lined up in their two groups, their two squares, and then the ones on the outside had to turn and face Reva and then turn back like it just I was thinking, man, it must suck to be a soldier. That's so much walking and standing and all that armor. And yeah, no, yeah, those giant. Yeah, I'd hate it. Um, So this is when Leia goes up the ladder and vents. And so Obi-Wan puts a reluctant Haja on babysitting duty because everyone else has to grab a gun. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. So and and then we get Obi-Wan has a call. Um, yes. Has a voicemail from Bail Organa. Right. And so he's like, oh, Obi-Wan. If I do not hear from you, I will go to Tatooine and protect Owen and Luke. And then we have the conversation with Tala. The conversation with Tala. Yeah, that was like a really weird moment. I didn't really understand what was going on with uh, Organa, but I feel like so much is happening in this episode that it's like, you know what? Well, so to me, he like, I don't know how he knows, but like he knows that because Obi-Wan's taking a while that people are involved. I think he fears it's Vader. We know it is because Bail Organa definitely knows that Darth Vader is still is still kicking and he's a he's an emissary of the emperor. And he's a smart person. I feel yeah. like he would have been able to figure out eventually that it was kind of a plot to draw that Obi-Wan out or it could have been. That's a possibility, at least. Yeah. So I think at that point, as as much as he loves Leia, he is he does know that raising her is also part of the mission to eventually take down the Empire. Yeah. So he knows where Obi-Wan took Luke. So he's going there, and I just, I, I never considered that it would go the other way, that Obi-Wan, when he told the Larses about Luke, would have mentioned his sister. And it's just such a, I, if, if it turns out that that is true, I, it's, it's, it'll be one of the first things ever that's like reframed the way I look at Star Wars since the, since seeing the prequels. It's, it, I don't know, it's like, it's just, is sticking with me that like, I never would have considered Bail Organa and Owen Lars live two are in two separate worlds. And it's mm-hmm. it's wild to me that they could possibly interact. I mean, like, I don't have that experience because, you know, uh, I haven't seen the original. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's swag. I guess for me, I'll be interested to see. Yeah. What well, that's like I, watching the originals. I'm also in terms of the show, as well as we are by the ending, I'm very curious what the stakes of the last episode are going to be and basically whether Bale does or does not go to Tatooine. Yeah, I definitely I mean, like not to predict this early in our podcast episode, but I definitely I feel like he might show up like at the end, like yeah. the main action of what happens in episode six will be long enough that it's Bale, Bale decides to go to Tatooine and then he shows up like after the conflict has been resolved to basically just pick up Leia. Yeah, holy, you know, holy shit, Leia, pick, going, Leia picking going up to Leia Tatooine? from her cousin's house. Holy, oh my god, that is that would be wild. 
Actually, I just yeah. We well because we mentioned oh, last wow. week how I I thought that we would cut we would potentially be ditching Leia on Alder on this episode, but it went completely differently than I was expecting. I knew that we weren't going to ditch Leia. You guys were so sure. I was like, no, she's he with was us. the one she's who was here. sure. No, it's, it's I was just, just me. like, I will accept my. I wrongness. knew she was. Yeah, I mean, I feel it. Yeah, this is on she's me. Here. She didn't have as much to do this episode in terms of screen time. Obviously, she, she sat saves in them. the vent. I'm going to talk about this later, but she sat in the vent. Uh, no, I'll go ahead and talk about this now to get it out of the yep. way. Like it took her her cast in the vent was to find one breaker. How did it take her like if a full on hour to search through that semi organized mass of wires to find the one disconnected wire? Because she's 10. <laughs> Good question, Calvin. No, I thought that too. I was literally like, what the fuck? Why is this taking so long? And why did Lola uh, just hide in the back? It was yeah, and then Lola coming out like what? And like, Hello? Just like yeah, no, Lola's cute, but is the the only use that she's had in the series was to be the tracker, shut down the base. And she has served her narrative purpose and she doesn't really have anything else to do. She's cute. She's cute. Yeah. But um. Yeah, no, she's back with she, Leia she now. She doesn't do much. She's back she's, with Leia now, and she's a prop again. Yeah, she's failed every time that she has tried to dive bomb somebody, so. That's because she's a friend droid for a 10-year-old, not a weapon of war. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. She's Good a prop. Point, <laughs> she's, well, <laughs> not a weapon of war. I, That's funny. So what happened next? After? Oh, yeah. So we have the Tala conversation. Do we have anything else to say before I interrupted us to... No, no, we talked a little bit about no. the taller conversation. It it marked her for death. <laughs> yeah, it was. And it was nice. I like that. I like that it did clarify that she was already an guy. Imperial. Yeah. Before yeah. she jo- joined the path. It wasn't just yeah. that she and w- joined the pa- was part of the path and joined the Empire as a saboteur the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. We We were talking last week about. The stormtroopers who were escorting Leia and strapping her up to this torture device. Like, I mean, that, yeah, that would have been their tall one, moment. Exactly. Which just wild to me. It's it's wild that Tala was, you know, had like the guts to just break out of that, that mindset that, oh, this is just how things are. I'm going to have to torture children. I'm going to have to murder families. Yeah. And I will say in credit. In defense of those stormtroopers, they never got the chance to really have that moment of reflection. They were killed. They got murdered several scenes later. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a testament to the power of the Empire and the fear that they exert over their soldiers and officers and and the way that it's the oppressiveness of their regime that they're able to either convince people that they're doing the right thing for the galaxy or just intimidate them into silence. And I also like that it established, as would make sense for somebody who it works with, who ended up working with Path, that Tala has direct experience with the Inquisitors. She she knows exactly what they do and how to evade them. And that's why it being Vader and the in the end is just such a different game. Like he is he's the big fish. Yeah. The big kahuna. Yeah. So, so the that, siege is happening. And yeah, Reva's Reva's firing at the door the whole time. Yeah. When we get oh, the conversation, the, the, ne- the negotiator comes out. Yes, he's like, I love yes, that. I'm going to negotiate. And literally just like what went through my mind, my mind was, oh, yes, the negotiator. Yes, that was a bad general grievous impression. Did but, you know, um, I learned this the other day that Gary Oldman was originally supposed to do the voice of General Grievous. 
Really? Yeah. And it didn't work out for I don't even know why. But that makes more sense why Matt Wood, who was always the sound guy, did it like sort of last minute. (laughs) Interesting. That's fine. Because his grievous Matt Matt Woods, have you ever heard his grievous without I've mentioned this before. His his grievous voice is hilarious before you put it through the modulator. Oh really? No, it's it's awful. It doesn't sound anything like him. It's Mm -hmm. just a guy doing a funny voice, but then you put it through the electronics and it ends up being reasonably intimidating. (laughs) That's wild. That's fun. But let's talk. So Obi-Wan is a little bit of a Sherlock Holmes here, and he's just like, how do you know about Anakin? Oh, you were a young the Knight of Order 66. But he he did finally ask the questions that we've wanted him to. This is I was so happy. I was like, hey, we're getting Reva's deal. I'm so happy. It's finally here. It had to be this, but it is. Well, it's one of those things that like if it was anything else, I think we'd be disappointed. I think it's it's what they it's nice when a show teases something and we are ready for it and we're waiting for it, but we already know what it's going to be. So it's just like waiting for that. Waiting for the uh, other yes, shoe to drop. I was yeah. right. Yeah. Like I really that was very satisfying. Honestly, this was terrifying for me. Yeah. So we. this, this is when we start cutting to scary. Vader in the temple, right? With the 501st. Um, yeah, because I mean, I mean, this is so much more intense than. Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? I mean, he is like coming yeah. at her. Well, because that's because the vibe in that Order 66 scene was still connected to the, like the operatic tragedy, the Greek like it, it was it was not really operating on a personal level, whereas this is somebody's. This is her traumatic flashback. memory. Yeah. So Anakin looks twice as terrifying. It's dark like it it it, it looks completely different because. It's not even it's not even supposed to look real. It's it's the way she remembers it. And it it I think as a with all the filmmaking choices was really well done in terms of making it terrifying. Um, and Andy, you wanted to unpack this scene. Yes. Yeah, so there's this and I'm actually going to talk about this and a little bit the ending or not like the ending ending, but where Reva fights because it, we also when Reva yes. is fighting with um Darth Vader, it cuts between her fighting Vader and her as a youngling with Anakin. So I just kind of want to talk because it feels weird to break those up. So I feel like with Reva, first of all, this is my favorite Reva moment that I've seen. She is such a phenomenal actor. And this scene was just so like, I felt it in my soul. And I mean, maybe it is because of like what's happening in the world right now, but no, I mean, Moses Ingram is killing it, whether it's what's but, no matter what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like political climate aside, like Moses Ingram really, really. Because the thing is about Reva is she's like this hardened character. She is so young. She's so young. Yeah, We now learn that she's I mean, if she's a young lady, she's got to be like in her 20s right now at the at the most, at the most. early 20s. Yeah. So much of what we see is Riva the Inquisitor. We see the hardened sort of in touch with the dark side, in touch with her pain and anger and all of that stuff. But there is a but the, the dark side does not and this is and this is something that I think is interesting with the Night Sisters, is I do think the Night Sisters tap into this part of the, of these feelings, but there is a vulnerability to pain that exists. 
Pain is vulnerable, and we don't like being vulnerable as people. So when we experience pain, when we feel vulnerable, that's when we lash out. That's a lot of where anger comes from. It's I want to inflict pain in order to protect myself. I want to hurt because I'm hurting. Yep. I mean, that's Anakin and Revenge of the Sith. Exactly. That's Anakin and Revenge of the Sith. That is where Reva is coming from. But here we are seeing the vulnerability. We're seeing the pain the, we're seeing the hurt. We're seeing the pain. And yeah, so Moses Ingram did a, a fantastic job. But we also see the fear. And that really, like, I really connected with that. I felt so moved by this scene. And I also really loved that Obi-Wan also felt very moved. Like, yes. obi you can see well, in his face that he no longer views Reva as an enemy. And it's hard for him to do so later on as he's like, you know, he's because later on, we'll, we'll, and we'll talk about that, but it, yeah. it's like he's struggling to not see a youngling. And he remembers also that it, he because we our memory of what Obi-Wan does after or like uh, what we know Obi-Wan did after event, uh, the Jedi Temple attack is his memory. So he so she I think it's in this scene. She says, like, why didn't you help? Yeah, he was your pet. And she blames him for raising like raising anakin training him which obviously is something our obi-wan already blames himself for yeah but the specific why didn't you help really cuts to him because as we see he gets there too late with Mm -hmm. yoda they're all dead by the time he gets there he couldn't save them um it's not that he didn't try um which i think is really interesting especially given how much of obi-wan's actions right now are and in this show are like so future looking they're so about the Skywalker twins as the galaxy's hope. But he's now he's now sort of hearing the experience of somebody who was just a cast off in the in the wider galactic conflict. I mean, I also think that this cuts to a lot of Obi-Wan's guilt himself about Anakin's fall, because he's been thinking, you know, here are all these moments during the Clone Wars that looking back on it, hindsight's 2020, looking back on it, we could have handled things differently. Man, I wish we'd really paid attention every time we heard the Imperial March playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to laugh during our dramatic <laughs> talk about uh, the real like human vulnerability shown by Reva here. And this I, I will say this is where because Reva has been, I think, performed fantastically so far. Yes. Compelling yeah. every time she hits the screen. This is where I was sold on her as a character and where she was going. As soon as we knew that she was killing, she was uh, she was out to kill Vader. This is where I was like, okay, this is awesome. Um, I'm in. I'm in. Well, and because <laughs> because it sort of doubles down on the fact that yeah, she's not a Jedi anymore. She's she's in the dark side. She's yeah. she's another character will say to her later that uh revenge does wonders for the will to live, and that's oh. Reva. Yeah. Oh, I had another thing, and I was like, I'm gonna say this thing. I feel like this is such a good observation, and I'm like, man, I'm stupid. I don't remember what the fuck I was gonna say. Oh, oh, no, I just remembered. I just remembered. The, the other thing that the scene does, sort of, to for, for us as a, as viewers, is my one of my biggest issues with Revenge of the Sith. I I like Revenge of the Sith, and I get that a lot of people love it. I think it's a really flawed film, and because it because so much happens that we don't really get to focus on individual aspects of it as long as I there's no time to breathe. One of those things is the atrocity of Anakin killing children. That's horrifying. That is probably like the most which is funny because horrific act. He did it first in Attack of the Clones, which also breezed right by it with the Tusken Raiders. (gasps) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it's and that gives yeah. it a little more time because at this point, Anakin's full in the dark side just to illustrate how far he's fallen. But I agree is that m- well, much of the best media that in Star Wars that interacts with this era has been giving weight and time to consider stuff that happened in Revenge of the Sith. Yes. And this I, was the, another great example of it. I will say with the Attack of the Clones thing, at least we get that scene with Padme. At least we yes. get the scene of him being like, I killed children. But that's kind of it. You're totally right. I fully forgot he killed all those people <laughs> in Attack of the Clones. But but yeah, so this is like, a, this is an atrocity. Like this is hor- horrible, horrific. And yes, so the fact that this is really giving us time to process that and really i think i have like a better understanding of vader now i think maybe i i don't like him as much you know it's no he's a he's a bad dude at he's this a point. bad guy he, and it's hard i love anakin and i feel for anakin but i don't know i mean and anakin at that point that specific point of revenge of the sith was so lost he was completely lost in the dark side and Conf- conflicted about what he was doing and such that he just all he could think to do was double down harder. So like later in the movie in Revenge of the Sith, I think we see Anakin come out for a little bit when he interacts with Padme. But after that, he's gone and he's back to the Vader that marched on the Jedi Temple. And in this point, he's like he's in it. He's fully in the dark side. He is all guilt and pain and rage and everything. And he's just let that become him. But I think the thing that really does it for me that I really, really love. So we see Darth Vader committing atrocities. We see him, we saw him kill, like snap a kid's neck in one of those episodes. But there is always, I feel like, a separation between Anakin and Darth Vader in this, this filming, and especially the filming of the scene later on during the battle. Yeah, the editing is choice. That that editing of, of seeing us cutting back from Vader to Anakin to Vader to Anakin really solidified like they are the same person. Like, and it is not Darth Vader. It's Anakin. It's Anakin that has done these horrible things. And to separate them is doing a disservice to Star Wars and doing a disservice to yourself as a viewer. He he is. Yeah, yeah I mean, I know? just call him Vader because the shit like he that's the name he's going by at this. Point. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I totally get what you're saying is that and I have some good news for you about the way Vader will talk about himself is that it totally will interrogate this and show sort of what you're saying. So I'm, I'm really excited for you to get to a certain episode of something in the future um, that is going to really make you think back on this conversation. Hello, I'm back. Yep. That's very interesting but- about the way Vader will talk about himself. So no, I, I, I totally... What were you saying, Wyatt? No, I, I, I'm, yeah, I, that's all I was saying is that there's an episode in the future that they'll really like because of, because it's going to engage with this. Reva survived by playing dead. Yes. I keep imagining there's some other character who like has a, plays dead and it's carved out with bodies and something like that. And that's really traumatic for them. Um, yeah, it's, I up. didn't think that made sense though, because I was like, he literally is like a master of the force. He should he definitely fucking be able to feel her being alive. I'm also, like, that's such BS. I think what the way the attack on the temple went is that Anakin just went through, he carved through, and it was the clone's job to finish off everyone else. He leaves the temple to the clones and is gone. So when, when he, to me, it seemed like in the intercutting between in the duel later between Vader and Reva, 
that Anakin in the temple when he was unmasked does strike at Reva, meaning I think she got hurt. And so he left her for dead for the troopers to take care of. And then she played dead to trick them because Vader has to go be in the rest of Revenge of the Sith right after the temple attack. Yes, correct. He goes home like nothing happened. I missed a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that I think the playing dead works. And also, I think that it sort of is what the what the Grand Inquisitor said about Reva has not in the way he meant it, but some truth. He didn't match or she didn't matter to him at all. He was not thinking about her and he discarded her after. So this is the whole conversation. We've been talking about it. But in the episode, we're talking about the conversation between Reva and Obi-Wan at the door. And then after that, what happens? They bust in. Uh, Reaver busts through. Yeah, she just so fire. That's what they I go back. And then Tala. Tala dies. Yeah. Well, no, they she first they go it. back. We have a shootout with the. We have a shootout. The they retreating. go back. And then we, you know, cut back to Haja and Leia. And, you know, Leia still hasn't found the single red breaker yet. They're um, working on it. Yeah. And then we have the Tala death, death scene, which I, you know, I think the, it. The Ned it B was a death, good death as well. The Ned B death. The Ned B was, death is the one that got me. Me too. Well, yeah, no, because I, I, and I think it's really well done because it was better. We L3. see the audience, and I think Obi Wan sees Tala get shot, but Tala herself doesn't notice it. But then Ned B dies, and Tala's like, "Oh my God, Ned B!" And then she like does that thing where she like touches her stomach and sees the blood, which um, she definitely noticed. She got that? knocked. She got knocked to the floor. Oh, did she? Okay, yeah. well, I guess that she might have. I think she realizes how like she's running on adrenaline and, and when Ned B dies in front of her, gives her a second. I think she realizes that, oh, she's toast from that blaster shot. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying already. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. And then she's no. like, well, screw it. Thermal detonator. I loved how shiny it was. <laughs> yeah, it was very dramatic. Her like holding it up and it was like, ah! yeah, she was like so dramatic of holding it to be like, Obi-Wan, run, run, run. I can't tell them I'm holding a bomb, but get out of here. I'm holding it out. for Yeah. I also liked that. I mean, Obi-Wan took that pretty hard. He wanted to save her. He wanted to yeah. he wanted to defend her and help her as we're seeing him do. He wields his lightsaber in defense of the people. It's just good to see Obi-Wan back being Obi-Wan. Absolutely. Yeah. He does his whole little Jeff Winger pump everyone up speech there and, later. And yeah, because I mean, to, for them, some of them, he's a legend. If they remember the Clone Wars, like that's that's if one. I don't know. It's like suddenly you're you're randomly where general like. General Patton is there at, in whatever era that was like he's a famous war hero and now a, a legend to those people because of his survival of of the uh, Jedi purge. So I, I, I think it was it was interesting to have him be known now to so many people. I think I think he's going to fake his death to the path. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Well, because he's got eventually he's got to go back to his secret mission. But yeah. Yeah. And so we get another, you know, little flashback segment where Vader's like uh, where he's in our grasp. And then there's a bit where Anakin pins Obi-Wan against the balcony. And it's almost as if Anakin has won. Oh, no. But he disarms him. And then, yeah, Obi-Wan. Well, no, uh, 
Does he just well, this one? Oh, no, not yet. Then okay. tasks Haja with getting Leia back to Alderaan, gives Haja his lightsaber blaster and, you know, holla communicator. Great boy. piece of acting by Kumail to like have his eyes go so big when like in fear when he got got handled, the, handed the actual lightsaber. He's so good. He was he's and like. I think he is known for playing over the top characters, but I've been a big fan of his subtler, subtler acting choices in this series. Um, and then, yeah, he does. He, he does what is, and surrenders. Is, he, he is the negotiator. Yeah, again. but he does what is essentially a version of the fake surrender trick from Clone Wars. He's like, Reva, team up with me. And Reva's like, oh, fine. And so... And then Leia finally finds the Red Breaker, has a little showdown <laughs> with Lola, where she's just like, oh, look at this, a restraining bolt. Pops it off, and Lola's like, what the fuck? Anyway. Yeah, it was a little silly. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. Well, I think, for me, it was Leia just being like, oh. And then took the bra- the the little bolt off and moved on. And I'm like, bestie, are we not going to think about the yeah. implications of that bolt? No, yeah. I... I- I, again, I, I think honestly, some of this stuff, while it was goofy in the show, is accurate to how a kid would react. She just she solved the problem. Lola's back. She accepts it at face value and moves on with her life. I wish no, I, I wish we had seen Lola emote. Yes, I agree with you. Just some some freaked out beeps. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, 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 I'm fine. I'm fully fine. I, I wasn't saying about Leia moving on. I'm fine with that. Lola should have been some freaked out beeps like, what the fuck just happened to me? Why did I? You know, I feel like I I've know. been um, I watching just, myself do actions. Leia, help me. But no, she just like right back in it. I guess I applaud Lola. What can I say? I just expect more from Leia. She'll figure it out. I promise. Maybe. You never know, though. Broken Vader like- goes into the thing after Obi-Wan, leaves Reva behind after, leaves Reva oh, right, outside. Yeah, yeah. And then we get the really cool yes. first yes. ship. Where the decoy ship leaves, Vader's like, you know, pulling it back. He makes it land, goes inside. We see it's empty. The second ship with people and it leaves. Vader's missed his chance. I had not this is noticed. really cool because it made me immediately think back to Ahsoka during yep. Order 66. Pulling the shuttle. Yep. But Vader was able to make it work, whereas Ahsoka could not. Well, and Ahsoka got shot at least once during that, so... That's true. She was running on pure adrenaline. This is Vader, like we discussed, at the height of his powers. I, personally, did not notice the second ship, so got, like, totally jump-scared by the ship taking off. I thought that was so fucking brilliant. I was so... I didn't really notice that other ship either. I had to go back and figure out that it was there. So, but that was so brilliant on Obi-Wan's part. I feel like that was such a baller move, like good on the writers because, because the ship's taken off. Fucking Vader comes in and he, and and like in their little fight, he has to just show off his brute strength. He has to win. But also, honestly, like Anakin, we've talked about like Vader's theatrics. (laughs) And I mean, he, he has to like show off how powerful he is pulling is this. Camp. He is a walking. He, he's got he's robots camp. sticking out of it. He's camp. Vader is campy. He he pulls down the ship, but not only that, he fucking rips open the side of it. Yep, and he... it's empty. And then and then fucking the other ship flies away. And that was just such a that was so dope. I love that, that you get so a, you get a second of him like realizing shit. I've met. He realizes he's missed his chance because he turns toward it. Ship's already gone. Can't grab it like it's. It's gone. 
Um, How humiliating, right? I mean, you've wasted, you've done this huge display only for it to be turned around on you, and you're the fucking yeah, idiot exa- who couldn't ex- sense the plane that had a ton, or the the ship that had a ton of fucking people on it. And exactly like the flashback fight where he disarms Obi Wan, thinks, oh, he starts gloating, I've won. Obi Wan cooks him without his lightsaber. Yep. And as I mean, I think we see that like as much as they were friends in the Clone Wars and they were equals, and Obi Wan's always going to have that one up on him because he trained him. Yeah. So, and then now we get now we get the Reva, Reva sneak v attack Vader. and the Vader fight. I just this was awesome. Yeah, I feel like do you remember in um, Avatar: The Last Airbender, season three, episode seven, the Runaway, when Aang and Toph are fighting, and then Sokka comes in with his sword and he's and he shouts sneak attack and runs at <laughs> Aang, and then Aang is just like earthbend, and Sokka just like gets earth to the chin yeah yeah that's Reva like, in this moment i really gotta say there is no sneaking up on vader well, yeah and vader with the absolute disrespect here he, he blocks all her stuff with the force and her own weapons doesn't pull his saber doesn't break a sweat like it, it does he like tosses her her own saber back and it's like no nah, let's fight let's yep. I'll give you a chance and then she can't even get close to him well and also, she she even which she hasn't really done. She whipped out the spinny saber like she whipped mm-hmm. out that function of it. And I've always interpreted that. And I, I can't remember if I made this up or read it somewhere is that because the Inquisitors are not as powerful as either Jedi or Sith, even though a lot of them are former Jedi, they're novice darksiders. And some of them are also just force sensitives that were corrupted. So they're not as powerful. And the lights, the spinny lightsaber is a way to compensate for that by like, <laughs> adding a mechanical power up essentially so she has to she tries that on vader and he just grabs her saber out of her hands i think that this was so cool not only because it's like genuinely just like cool to see vader flex but we know reva is actually like a good fighter and she is powerful and she can hold her own so so it's like we just saw vader lose to obi-wan and now we're seeing vader being a badass so it's kind of puts into perspective just how good vader is and then makes it uh, like shows how how genuinely like clever and good obi-wan he got so totally got by obi-wan and then we see that he he could handle anybody else basically i mean if it was the grand inquisitor the first one in the same space as reva he might have lasted a little longer but he would also be killed by vader very yeah yeah and then we talked about this earlier with the flashbacks to, to Reva's initial encounter with Vader and the editing is so good. And then she gets stabbed through. Well, and I think, again, like a credit to um, Moses Ingram, it's the. I see the like the little the little kid, I see yep. the little youngling when Vader is coming for her. And I was like terrified. I was like, this is truly scary and heartbreaking to see. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that she's not dead just yet. Very um, good character work. As much as this is excellent, fantastic acting work, great writing, editing on par. All I want to talk about is the Grand Inquisitor showing up to talk shit. Oh my God. Literally so funny. And I was like, this is so stupid. Speaking why, of why Inquisitors, Inquisitors are camp. This is camp. This is so good. Walks in camp. in the suit, no bandage, like not a care in the world, not looking like he just got stabbed. Hello, third sister. <laughs> what and an a, what an asshole. 
And well, and fucking Darth Vader just like standing there like, yeah, okay, pop off, I Freedom guess. Boys, like, when, whatever. When, when is their mixtape dropping? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When is their mixtape? Thank you. And oh my God. I will say though, I think revenge does wonders like the for the wham. will to live. The Grand Inquisitor's line sums up Reva so well. I I love it. Camp though, still camp. Oh yeah, but still I loved yeah. it. He kneels down to talk shit, grabs her rank pin, and walks away. Icon. I love. Icon. I love the Grand Inquisitor. And so funny. I think uh, when we see him again, he's played by a different actor. I I really love that portrayal. The guy who's doing it here, who is a well-known British actor, I believe, is so good. He's he's just he's he oozes the the exact right amount of evil dickhead. So so then we have so then Reva finds the the little communication bit and we're kind of yeah. cutting between- well roken tells obi-wan that the ship doesn't have a hyperdrive so like they're still you know in danger of getting caught yes yeah um, and he and says then, that the star destroyer is bearing down on them yeah so, so, so we're like, kind of cutting back they're not out of the woods yet and then obi-wan feels a disturbance in the force and Reba- well, it's more it's more than just a disturbance in the force he hears qui-gon does he? I did not notice that. Did you guys really not hear that? He he literally he goes here. Wait, hold on. What? Hold on. He goes. I have the captions on. Give me one second. Kenobi. No, no, no. He he has like a he has a line, and I didn't think it was Qui Gon at first. I thought it was Roken, but then I went and listened to it back, and I was like, that is not Roken's voice. That has to be Qui Gon. And he literally, it's just he just says something like, "Are you listening to me?" And I, and when I, because I, I read subtitles, so I was reading it and I just assumed Roken had said that. But when you like listen to the voice, I'm like so sure that there's no way that that's Roken. That's got to be Qui-Gon. Because, and then immediately after he he goes, something's wrong. And I'm like, oh. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Like maybe that's, that's on me. But I definitely, I definitely thought it was Qui-Gon. Hold on, I'm watching the scene right now. Maybe not, maybe not. Hold on. I'm listening to it back and I'm like, I can't actually tell. I can't tell the difference between Qui-Gon. But my 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 friend Gabe was like positive that this was Qui-Gon. So he convinced me. So maybe I'm wrong. I think it's broken. I was also looking at it. Um, I will say that the captions did not tag him as Qui-Gon. So, yeah. Well, yeah, but I don't think they I don't know if they necessarily would. But I feel like maybe they should if it's for. No, I think it's people. I, I think it's just broken. You know? Dang. If you want to put in your two cents, listeners, please, you know, yeah. shoot us a yeah, shoot, let shoot us, us a, know. Shoot us a tweet. And I mean, well, I will say the line does feel like plausible in terms of that that being the line that as Obi-Wan is feeling the force quite deeply here. But yes, I don't I don't think so, but I like it. I like that. No, I, I'm listening. I'm listening to it back. I don't think so either. And I didn't think so when I originally listened to it. But my friend was like, no, we've got to go back. And he was like, that's definitely Qui-Gon. So uh, if you're listening, come on, kid. But I don't know. But I don't know. But I feel like I feel like maybe that's a missed opportunity because that would have been like the perfect. Moment. Yeah, he's I think he, he's in touch with the force. Yeah, I do think we're going to get a moment like that at the end of the next episode at the end of the series. But you don't think yeah. he's going to talk. He's going to act. I mean, I think Qui-Gon? they're going to I think I don't know if we're going to actually see Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon. I think we are going to at least hear him. Okay. And, and they That's will fair. commune. Well, look, he can still go to Dagobah. 
Yep, but I don't think that's actually going to happen. But no, yeah, no. Fun. So Um, we get Reva learns about Reva learns now that there is a connection between Bale, who she knows is Leia's dad, and Owen on Tatooine, who she conveniently just met a week ago. Yeah, does she know that that's Owen? Did I mean he say my name is Owen? Yeah, yeah. No, she totally did. He he said she asks his name and he says Owen. She says it a couple times. Yeah. Okay. So not o- not only does she know Tatooine was the right place to find Kenobi, like that it, that Kenobi was connected to Tatooine, which is another point she wins on the fifth brother and the Grand Inquisitor. Um, but that Owen, who I would assume she's the first one she's going to check, is the only Owen she knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like we're going to get um, like one of those scenes, like. Obi-Wan might rush back to Tatooine, you know, running to the Lars homestead, you know, walks in, finds an empty kitchen, except yeah. for, you know, Reva in the back with a cowering family behind the her. The syndrome scene from the end of The Incredibles, basically. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. I, I'm I'm jury's out on whether Bale's going to be there. I also now honestly do not entirely know Reva's endgame again because she's failed to kill Vader. So I think she's but just going to sh- act out of rage against Obi-Wan for not saving her. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, do we think we get more Vader? No. I think that Reva's definitely going to die. Oh, yeah. She knows. Because we talked she about knows this. She knows too, too much. much. Especially with this last, like, Bill Organa yeah. thing. It's like there's no... She's definitely going to try and do something with it, and then she's going to fucking die, so... Yeah, I don't know who's going to whether or not she goes like fully into the dark side and Obi-Wan's going to have to kill her or whether there will be some external threat, whether it's the Grand Inquisitor or Vader. But, yeah, no, unfortunately, I do think I don't I don't think I really didn't think there was any way Reva would be able to make it out of the series before we knew her story. But I I think like Tala, she's uh, she's not long for this world. Oh, I love her so much. It's so disappointing. I know. Like, stop killing my faves. You freaking they're homophobic. (laughs) <laughs> during Pride Month? During Pride Month, you're going to kill Reva? I do Reva? think that it's going to be really fun to watch the series as a whole, knowing, like, watch Reva's journey in the series again, having seen it already. Like, yeah. I, think, I think going back and watching her performance is only going to improve it. Yeah, like, aside from, like, I watched the episodes twice in preparation for the discussion, once to watch it to get reactions, and then once to rewatch it for, you know, the things that I might have missed the first time. Um, but I'm not gonna I'm, I haven't rewatched any episode more than twice when like I watch stuff a lot. Yeah, you're famous like, for, for watching Star Wars a lot. Yeah, for for like a lot of the Marvel stuff, <laughs> I would go back and rewatch like for WandaVision or for Loki. Like I would go it would be between like episodes. Yeah, you go would, back and rewatch the show before that week's episode. Yeah, exactly. And I've I done, haven't done that with this. So I'm really yeah. excited to sit down and consume it as one piece of media. In a marathon. Yep, I'm excited. I will do that at one point for this show, I think. I don't always do binge rewatches, but I think watching this at, at, in one go would be quite fun. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I'm pumped for the, this was... I liked last week's episode more than you two. I do think, though, that this was such a, such a much better return to form. This was fantastic. Yes. And I'm so excited for the finale. Yeehaw! Next time on First Steps of Star Wars Podcast, we are concluding obi-wan kenobi We're finishing kenobi obi-wan kenobi part six Ugh. it's been a journey happy pride yes happy pride queers love that you know, for us 
I wonder Guys. how much of our podcast listenership is like queer and how much of it is just like cishet people. Well, it's. Thanks, guys, for listening. We love you so much. I would give you a big kiss on the mouth, except you're all stinky. All right. And also, <laughs> and this is Andy an is just video. a voice in your Andy is just a voice in your head. I'm here in your brain. All right. Anyway. See you next week for the finale. Yeah. Swag. Be with you. Swag. Thank you guys for listening to First Steps, a Star Wars podcast. You can find us on Facebook at First Steps, a Star Wars podcast, on Twitter at First Steps SW, and on Instagram at First Steps Star Wars. You can stream us on any of the major podcast handles, and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>